morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Sweet Home, Oregon. As you guys are tuning in, please let me know where you are and what time it is. This is another edition of Bunk Beds and Bible Reading. Uh, as I got my, my co-pilot, he's up there sleeping. He's probably tossing and turning at the moment. And he's like, Dad, it's 5.30. But uh, good morning, you guys. Come on in. We got brothers and sisters from Riverside, Chicago, Germany. I love this, you guys. Massachusetts. This is a worldwide ministry. and I believe today is 155 days in a row that we've met, uh, that we have read one chapter from the New Testament, one chapter from the Old Testament, where we've shared some context, some food for thought, ideas. Uh, this is a place where individuals have been saved in large numbers. And uh, maybe you're new. Maybe somebody convinced you or twisted your arm to get here. But what we do basically is you read the the desired chapter and um, you know we go over it together. You can read it before, during, after, all of the above. I'm not going to stop you from reading your Bible. But at the end of each chapter uh, we do a digital altar call and invite people to give their lives to Christ and we've seen uh, an amazing amazing showing out of individuals being saved and being welcomed into the family of believers so glory to God so far we've read Matthew Mark Luke John we've read Acts Romans 1st Corinthians and we are now on 2nd Corinthians it's a, a beautiful thing and so um, I just want to welcome you guys in and uh, I'm excited I'm so blessed and honored you guys I want to share a praise report Yesterday, I, I, I by my by no means had any intention on um, you know being a digital panhandler. Uh, I, I was sharing that uh, you know with gas prices and the way things are right now, you know the only thing that I could really afford to do with the kids is spend time, and um, I just wanted to share that uh, a brother in Christ reached out and. Um, you know, he donated or, or, or he gave me uh, a, a digital donation through Venmo and um, completely blessed us. It was something beautiful, not something I asked for. It was completely unexpected. And just from the graciousness in the bottom of his heart, uh, wanted to do that for us. And um, I, it was just just completely gr grateful, you know, it broke me down into tears. It's not something that I was asking for or even expected, but it was beautiful how God was able to move through somebody who I don't even know. So I just wanted to give a praise report and a shout out. I'll allow my friend to remain anonymous, but um, really appreciate that. That was heartfelt, and uh, I mean, it was it was really nice. So thank you. Glory to God. It was super cool. And so um, really changed the, the way that we're doing this weekend. I'll tell you that. We're going to do uh, quite a few other things. We went and watched a movie last night to start. And um, I haven't taken these kids to a movie in a long time. And so uh, we enjoyed that. It was pretty cool. So just thank you. Right? I thought it was cool, but here we go. There's Sister May. Bam, right on time. It's like, I feel like you're in my brain sometimes. I was just about to say, can somebody put 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in Psalm 139? And blow, there she goes. So check it out. You guys, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, understand that this is... Um, it's a very short chapter and Paul's still doing kind of some introductory, uh, you know, comments, things like that. He's saying, hey, you know, he's talking about his visit. We understand that Second Corinthians is written a year after First Corinthians, and somewhere in between then, he, you know, he made a visit to Corinth. We understand that it was a confrontational visit. It wasn't necessarily nice, and somewhere 
in here, um, scholars say that he wrote another letter uh, that was you know, pretty spicy and it was emotion filled and it was written in sadness and heaviness. And uh, there was some, you know, there was some frustration going on because of what was going on between Paul and the church, but somehow it got lost. Uh, and so here we are in Second Corinthians and he's still kind of laying it out. He said, hey, I decided my next visit to you would be, you know, it wouldn't be a one that makes you sad. Uh, if I make you sad, who will make me glad? Only you can make me glad, particularly the person whom I made sad. And so he goes on and he says, and I think that he's alluding to this, I wrote you a letter for this reason, that when I come to you, I would not be made sad by the people who should make me happy. So he's like, I'm writing you these letters so that from the letters you guys are able to change, from the letters you guys are able to transform. I'm addressing these issues now so that when I come, uh, everything is in order and we can spend more time together growing and being uh, you know, loving and comforting and encouraging each other rather than me having to come and be an authority and having to lay the hammer down and having to put my foot down. My visits can be more joyful instead of it's like dad's coming home and he's going to clean house. So, um, you know, that's kind of the idea behind this. He's like, hey, I, I, I don't want to come there and make you guys sad because I'm visiting and you're sad. Who's going to make me happy? I'm coming there to be happy with you guys and to celebrate the victories and to lift you guys up, not there to have to, you know, get you guys into shape so that's why i'm writing these tough letters to challenge you guys now so that you guys can address the issues before i get there amen so moving forward you know again very short chapter he says someone there among you has caused sadness not to me but to all but, but to all of you he says, i mean he's caused sadness to all in some way um and he said the punishment that most of you gave him is enough so there's somebody there who's uh being a you know being disruptive and he's been punished and the punishment that they gave him is enough. And so here he's saying, hey, but now you should forgive him and comfort him to keep him from having too much sadness and giving up completely. This reminds me that sometimes we have a, we have a tendency to make people feel bad longer than they should. Sometimes we like to hold a grudge to really drive the point home. Right. Sometimes, uh, you know, individuals need to be corrected, especially in the church where there needs to be correction. There needs to be discipline. There needs to be, uh, you know, a, a place where things can be addressed. But once an individual is repentant and there's, you know, uh, the punishment has been dished out and they've received that, there has to be a place where we're able to move forward from that place. It's our duty, yes, to discipline and to correct. But um, once the individual receives that and we can see that there's change in repentance, there does need to be this forgiveness. Now, this is where it gets tricky. You have to have discernment. What a lot of people will do is, uh, you know, you'll be, and I always go to relationships because I think relationship, we were created for relationship. And this is one of the hardest areas that I believe we deal with. You're taking two individuals from completely different walks of life and trying to get them to, you know, agree and be on the same page. And so what you'll see is two people will get together. Um, one might offend the other, uh, but then they hold the fact, well, you're a Christian. You should forgive me. Right. And so what you see is individuals taking advantage of forgiveness or treating Christians as doormats because they know that their hearts are big or they love people. I notice that Christians are often targeted uh, when it comes to online scamming, right? There, there's, there's a target on individuals who are trying to be Christ-like because our hearts are big and we are generous and we do love other people. And so what you often see is digital panhandlers and scammers will be in here. And after these lives, they'll reach out to you and say, oh, you know, um, 
I, I'm, I'm working on this orphanage or, you know, whatever. You know, there's all these different scams that they'll try to take advantage of Christians because they know that we're well-meaning. And they, especially after an emotional live, we'll get off here and we're just like, I just want to make a change. I just want to help people. And then next thing you know, somebody's sliding in your DMs trying to take advantage of that. Uh, and so we have to find a place of discernment and understand, hey, not everybody's intentions are pure. Some people will take advantage of the fact that you are forgiving. You can forgive somebody, you can love somebody, you can be kind to somebody, but you must use discernment. Everybody who knocks on my DMs doesn't get a response because sometimes I can discern and understand. Uh, well, first off, I can't answer them all. So if you're like, oh, I've been, I've been messaging you and you haven't been able to get through, I'm sorry. It's just I don't I don't have the time to get through all of them I do try and I love you guys and it's nothing personal and um, sometimes I'll answer messages two weeks after they've been sent and they're just like oh problem solved and it's like glory to God I'm doing my best I can here man I love you but you know I don't I don't let everybody who knocks or everybody who asks or everybody you know you have to have some level of discernment and tying it all back in you know, he's sitting here saying, this individual, we, we, he's come to a place of repentance. Uh, it's time for us to move forward and to forgive. But make sure that you guys are using discernment. If somebody's cheating on you and they keep saying, hey, forgive me, you know, oh, I'm, 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 I'm repenting. You guys, discernment, right? That's a pretty clear sign and it's a red flag that it's probably time for that relationship to become uh, digital. Or virtual, right? No more. You don't, you don't have any more opportunities to do that to me. I love you. I forgive you. But guess what? I've got to keep moving forward because God has something greater than being treated like a doormat for me. And he really does, right? He really does. Oh, for those of you who, yeah, DMs means direct message. Amen. I love that. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I got to I gotta remind myself that not everybody up, is up to date. A DM is a direct message. It's just like a, a message. That's good. Thank you guys for having my back down there. I appreciate you guys. So, um, and he says, hey, you know, comfort him, forgive him and comfort him to keep him from having too much sadness and giving up completely. Sometimes we, you know, when we want somebody to really feel it, we'll, we'll still hold a little grudge. We'll keep that little bit of resentment. And uh, what does it say? It's like jealousy or resentment. It says in the Bible, I don't remember which one it is. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die or get sick. And so it's like when we're holding on to those things, it's also affecting us. When we're being too hard on somebody, when we're holding a grudge, when somebody is repentant and they truly, you know, they truly want to change, that doesn't mean that we have to remain in relationship with them. It doesn't mean that we have to, but we can forgive them and we can encourage them and we can comfort them and make sure that they don't have too much sadness and they don't give up. And so in verse 8, he says, so I beg you to show that you love him right? Show that you love him. And loving an individual doesn't mean returning to the same relationship that was there, right? I can forgive you. I can love you, but that doesn't mean that you have full access to me or you have the exact same access that you once had. I pray that you guys understand that. I pray that that makes sense is I can forgive you, right? You can hurt me. I can forgive you. I can love you, but that doesn't mean that you have to receive the same access that you once had. I can create healthy boundaries that do protect myself, right? So you can very much show love, 
comfort and acceptance, right? Forgiveness without giving the same access back. But what typically happens is we take forgiveness and love with, uh, you know, oh, here it is. You get, you, you get to go right back to that same place. No, forgiveness is a choice. I choose to forgive you, right? Love, I choose to love you. But access is a privilege, right? Access is a privilege. Just because you are repentant and because I forgive you and I love you doesn't mean that you get that same exclusive access that you once had. That has to be earned. And that is earned by a track record of showing that you are truly doing the things that you said that you're doing and you truly are repentant. Amen? Discernment. Discernment. Um, and I know a lot of you guys struggle with forgiveness. I know a lot of us, we have people who hurt us, right? Like, uh, raise your hand if you've had somebody hurt you, right? And then the entire live, all 300 people are like, yes, we've all uh, experienced betrayal. We've all experienced uh, being backstabbed or turned on or somebody talking poorly about us. We all have opposition. There are people in our life, like, believe it or not, I'm going to share something with you. Not everybody likes you. Mm. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow, right? Some, there, there are people out there who are not going to like you based on how you look, the way that you sound, the way that you dress, the place that you come from, for absolutely no good reason. There are people out there who have never met me or even had a conversation with me who don't like me, right? I'm pretty sure, this, this is, I'm being facetious, so don't get too serious, but I, I like to say I bet there's Facebook groups, private ones, devoted to not liking me somewhere out there, right? I'm probably blocked and I'm not able to see it, but I'm sure, right? I'm a villain in somebody's story. In some people's story out there, I'm a villain, and I have to be okay with that. Not everybody's going to like you at all, at all. You guys understand that? So I, I get that there's going to be, uh, you know, places where there's going to be conflict. We're going to come into opposition um, with, with other people. So don't be surprised uh, when, when you have to deal with this, right? You have to deal with this. It's tough. Verse 8, so I beg you to show that you love him. I wrote you to test you and to see if you obey in everything. If you forgive someone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if I had anything to forgive, I forgave it for you as if Christ were with me. I did this so that Satan would not win anything from us because we know very well what Satan's plans are. Jumping down, I, I highlighted all of, you know, 14 all the way through 17. These next few verses are, <laughs> Henry says, everyone loves me. Good luck with that, brother. <laughs> right hey, hey and people who meet you they love you they might not like you i've had that i've had people who don't even know me not like me but once they met me they loved me they didn't like me based on something that they heard they didn't like me based on something but on a rumor or an opinion of somebody else who didn't like me but then they were like i don't understand why they don't like you you seem like a pretty dude nice guy and i'm like exactly i'm great man i'm i'm, I'm the bee's knees like what are you talking about of course i don't know what's wrong with them they must have had COVID because they got no taste. Like, I don't know what to tell you. That was a dad joke. I'm ashamed that I said it. As soon as I said it, I instantly regretted it. I said they must have had COVID because they got no taste. That was good. It's kind of a bar, too. Like, that could be a wrap. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, he says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in victory through Christ. Right? Who leads us through Christ. I want to highlight this. Thanks be to God who always leads us in victory 
through Christ always, not sometimes, not, not on Tuesdays, but always leads us in victory through Christ. So many of you don't feel like a victor. Many of you don't feel like you're winning. Many of you don't feel like uh, you, you, you are being triumphant. But here it says that through Christ, we will always have the victory. So what does victory look like to you? Victory isn't financial always. It's not always being successful in the eyes of the world. I know that in Christ and through Christ, because what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection, right? What Jesus did on the cross, I have victory over death, right? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am now an ambassador of Christ. I now have the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. Therefore, no weapon formed against me will prosper. They will form, but they won't prosper. I understand that I resist the enemy and he flees. I have the victory, but I must remind myself of who I am and whose I am, and I have to bring it to memory that the victory is mine. Now, the victory and the outcome of the victory might not always look the way that I imagine or assume that it will look, but I must always remember that at the end of the day, the victory is mine through Christ because of Jesus, because what he did. It says, God uses us to spread his knowledge everywhere like a sweet-smelling perfume. You ever gotten to an elevator uh, or, or been around somebody who uses a lot of cologne or perfume? I was um, I was one of those guys in high school uh, who did a lot of Axe body spray, right? I was an athlete and, you know, growing up in the 90s and the, the early 2000s, that was the move. Like, that's what you did after a game, you know, all over, just Axe body spray. I was like, a, I don't want to say that it was a sweet aroma. It was probably one that you're like, <laughs> like trying to cough. But you ever been somebody who uses a lot of fragrance? So here he says, God uses us to spread his knowledge everywhere like a sweet-smelling perfume. You step into a room and you can smell somebody who smells good. It's sweet-smelling. We won't use Axe body spray because we know that that can sometimes be a little overwhelming. But maybe that's a good analogy because if somebody's got too much cologne on, you can smell it from across the room. It fills the room, right? And you're almost like, like trying to take a deep breath in and all you can smell is their perfume or Somebody who uses a scented lotion, you can smell them from across the room. That's who, that's like us. When we walk into the room, we have this knowledge of Jesus. We have this light that fills us. We are ambassadors of Christ. So everywhere we go, when we step into a room, we illuminate that room. Or at least this is what we should be doing. We step into that room and we illuminate that room and we're like a sweet smelling aroma. It says our offering to God is this. This is our offering to God, something that we give to God. We are the sweet smell of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are being lost. So understand this, when you come into contact with individuals who are being saved, you're like a light, you're like a lifesaver, right? Imagine being, imagine drowning or being in the middle of the ocean and here comes a boat. Like at first you don't see anything. And so you start to panic and you're splashing around or maybe you're holding your breath, trying to float to stay on top of the water. But when you see that boat coming and you see that it says Coast Guard on the side and they've got a lifesaver in hand and they're about to throw it to you, you start to get excited, man. That's salvation. I'm about to be saved. I'm about to live. And that's us when we come into the room. We're out here in the sea of lost. There's individuals who are lost out there. They're drowning in the sea of sin. They're going to die. 
This is a really good analogy that I'm just coming up with. God is good with these analogies, my goodness. But there's these individuals in this sea of, of sin and they're about to be lost. And here we come. We're this sweet aroma. We are these lifesavers. We've got the lifesaver of truth. And here we come and we're throwing it out there. And to them, we are a sweet smell. We are a sight for sore eyes. They see us and they're just like, yes, they have life. But though to those who are lost, we are the smell of death that brings death. But to those who are being saved, we are the smell of life that brings life. You wonder why people push you away when you start preaching Jesus. You wonder why people turn their back on you. You wonder why you lose friends. You wonder why people start to make fun of you or they isolate you or they make you feel like you're weird. You want to know why Christians are persecuted. You want to know why the Bible's being banned. You want to know why people are being executed and exiled and martyred for the name of Jesus. It's because as the light... We expose the darkness. It's because the light that shines and lives in us, the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, irritates the demons that other people are living in, right? If this, when when I woke up this morning, this this room was dark, pitch black, dark. My mom's got the uh, the 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 sun shades in here where you can't. There's no light that comes on in this room. When I wake up and I flip that switch, my son's like, ah, you know, he's just like, turn off the light. And he's like trying to cover himself with the blanket because the light is irritating. The light is abrasive. The light is shining. And it's like, it's, it's, he was in this state of comfort. He, he, we were comfortable in the dark and that's what you are. You are the light of Jesus and you walk in and you shine that light. And either that's like, yes, I can finally see, or it's like people are running and pushing you away. Get that light out of here turn that light off you're exposing the darkness you're exposing my sin you're making me uncomfortable because i'm comfortable in the place that i'm at and so people will mock you they'll push you away they'll turn their back on you they'll even try to uh trip you up they'll try to get you to stumble they'll try to uh entangle you in sin it's it always talks about uh fowler's snares and they're setting traps and they're trying to trick your feet these are the individuals who are lost individuals who are non-believers, unbelievers, people who are, are, they love their sin. They love the darkness. They want nothing more than to see those who walk in the light to trip and to fall and to stumble, right? That's what they're looking for. So we as ambassadors of Jesus, individuals who are filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, torchbearers, right? We're, we're carrying the light of Christ through this dark and evil world. And as we go, we're exposing, we're exposing the darkness and individuals who are being saved. It's like a, it's like a lifesaver. It's, it's a pleasant smell. They're embracing. They're just like, yes, this is, I, I need life. I need eternal life. I want salvation. I want truth. I long for something that is real, not fantasy like what this world sells us. And so they're drawn to you like a, ma a moth is attracted to the light. Yet those individuals who are bound by darkness, they'll push you away. They'll run. They'll shun you. They'll try to get away from the light that you represent because you are a representative of Jesus. In verse 17, it says, so who was able to do this work? Because we do not sell the word of God for a profit as many other people do. But in Christ, we speak the truth before God as messengers of God. The word of God is not for sale. It doesn't mean that you can't make a Christian t-shirt. People get, they take this kind of stuff so out of context and, and, and they, they, they want to, I, I got somebody who was upset because I made a, a shoe with a scripture on it, right? 
Little do they know that I'm on, I'm, I'm walking around and people are like, I love your shoes. What do they mean? Oh, let me tell you about Ephesians chapter six. Let me tell you about this verse. And they've been a, nothing but a tool for ministry. They've been an opportunity for me to preach the gospel because many times, so, so you know, people get upset. Oh, well, you're selling the word of God. No, no, no. He's not talking about that. It's like if you're paying me to preach gospel, I'm not being paid to be here every morning. I'm up here preaching gospel. I'm here doing a Bible study. I'm not asking for money. I'm not asking for any of this. I'm here preaching the gospel. It's free. I don't take a salary at church. I'm on stage. I'm preaching and trying to get people saved. Right? What I do get paid for is sharing a testimony, right? writing books. There's different events and speaking engagements that I definitely get paid for. But that's different. That's not me preaching or selling the word of God. And so people will, will get that confused. Paul had a job. He had a full-time job. Right? And ministry can be challenging. Ministry can take up a lot of time, energy, and effort. And so um, you know, it, I think that that's one of the things where people take that out of context. Now, do individuals do those things? Absolutely. That's literally what the prosperity gospel is. And I'm not going to name names because uh, it might start conflict and ruffle feathers and that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to create an environment that is loving and encouraging and that's a whole nother conversation but there's individuals who really build this prosperity gospel uh, where they believe that you should be living your best life now and that everything's about money. Look at these crazy curls up here. Uh, you know, we're, we're there we're, we're there building their entire ministries on the fact that uh, life should be good and you should be living your best life now and it's all about money it's all about prosperity and it's all about finances and if you trust God then he's just going to bless you abundantly and it's like time out man time out and I'm going to beat a dead horse I'm going to go back to it if following Jesus meant that you lived your best life now then there wouldn't be martyrs right Paul's sitting here saying yo we've been beaten we've been chased we've, our, our, we've been shipwrecked I've been locked up and imprisoned preaching the gospel, telling the truth that's confrontational, making a stand for Jesus. It, he, he wasn't living his best life. He was living his best life spiritually, but, but, but in the physical realm, you can't tell me that, there was, that, that Paul didn't have faith or he didn't have a relationship with God. But where was his prosperity? Where were the finances? Where were the money? Where were the mansions and the jets and the house? Like, where was all of that? Following Jesus does not equate financial security. That is prosperity gospel. And there's individuals out there and ministries out there that sell the gospel as if following Jesus means that you're going to have everything that you want like it's Aladdin and he's a genie. That's not true. That's false. That's false. You can have a very strong relationship and faith in God and have the the earth the, the, the time that you spend here on this earth could not be the most pleasant of times. You look at Job, right? You, there, there's There's a lot of, you know, examples of individuals who just weren't living their best life here on earth my best life is going to be spent in eternity with god amen that's something that like drives me crazy drives me crazy when i think of my brothers and sisters who are being persecuted right gun to the head denounce jesus and they refuse they refuse where's their best life now where's their prosperity Right, individuals who are meeting in underground churches and holding on to the holy scriptures as if it was gold, they're having to hide their Bibles. Bibles are banned and illegal. Like, where's their best life now? You're saying that they don't have enough faith? 
Are they praying wrong? Are they doing something? Are they not tithing enough? Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. You start to equate following Jesus as if it was an investment, right? It is an investment. It's an investment for your soul, right? And the gain and the return is eternity and, you know, relationship with him. But it, it's not about this earth. It's not about the time that we walk here on this earth as far as the financial aspect, right? Mm, Sister Tamara says it's about storing those things up in heaven, man. Now, again, I will say this. That doesn't mean that there are not individuals who are successful. We need brothers and sisters in Christ. We need kingdom influencers. We need kingdom creators. We need kingdom wealth. We need people in high positions and power and places with status because individuals who follow Jesus in those places are able to reach people in those places. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad or evil thing. Um, one of the biggest principles and things that I believe is that if we're not faithful with the small, why would God ever bless you with something greater? All right. And, and let's not even talk about money. If I, again, if I'm ministering to, uh, you know, the people in my sphere of influence, if I'm faithful with the five people, maybe God put five people in your life that he wants you to minister to and to be faithful with and to love and encourage and comfort and help get saved. If you can't be faithful with those five, why would he increase your territory? Why would he give you more? And I said this the other day, if, if God gave you a $1,200 stimulus check and you spent it on rims to put on your minivan and like you got, you got things that were unessential and you didn't set anything aside from that and you didn't honor God with it, why would he give you more? If we can't be, if we can't be faithful with the small, why would God want us to, why would he entrust us with more? And so I think that it starts with being faithful with the very little that you have and then how you use that and how you're, you know, how, how, how you tend to it. How are you a steward of the small? I believe that if you're faithful with the small and you steward the small things well, then I believe that he will continue to give you more, right? And that's, that's, that's a principle. That's a, that's a principle and it's a biblical principle. Uh, you look to the parables of the talents. You look to the parable of the, the giftings and the things that the, the hard master left with the servants. And, you know, one doubled it. He was faithful with it. And then the other one was faithful with it. And the other one just held on to it and hid it. And, you know, you see that um, the master gave more to the individuals who were faithful with it. They were stewards over. Amen. I'm not going to lie. You, you, I, I'm going to move on to the, the Old Testament reading, but um, I always say put rims on the minivan because no joke, that was like something that I did. I remember uh, when I before I was like really, before I was saved, I remember when it was tax return season. We would get those taxes back. And bro, I would go and I would buy... I would go to Walmart and I'd get myself a nice big TV. I feel like tax season was always the time when I upgraded the size. First, it was like a 45, then a 55, then a 60, then a 70. But it was always tax return season. I remember as soon as I get those tax returns, man, we'd head down to Walmart or we'd head down to the outlets and I'd make sure I stocked up on shoes and cologne and belts and I'd get all the things that I had wanted. I'd be on East Bay. I'd have the magazine. I'd be circling things that I wanted to get, and and as soon as you know, as soon as uh, that check would come in, as soon as we that would hit that direct deposit, boy, it was I was wilding out. It was tax return season. I was out there getting everything that I ever wanted. I was leaving bills unpaid. I wasn't you know setting anything aside to give back to God. It was just like it was you know we were eating out to dinner. I was getting the steak and the shrimps and the lobsters, and it went like that for like two solid weeks, and then next thing you know I was back in the same hole that I crawled myself out of 
and um, we did have a minivan and I was that was what I had eyes I was like man I want to put some I want to put two speakers in the back with the Alpine system and the Bose I want to get you know like that was what it was man it was spent before I got it Bob said he already knows it was spent before I got it I couldn't wait for tax return season like come on it was like a windfall and it was like a measly three thousand maybe four or five thousand dollars on a tax return and and that was my mentality that was my mentality. And, and then I wondered why I couldn't get ahead, why I didn't have enough. I wasn't being faithful with a little bit. That was an opportunity. I could have invested it. I could have used that money to do something positive or impactful with. But I had that thing spent before I got it. I'm glad that God delivered me from that. I did try. I was doing that. And a lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. You guys have been there. Anyway. Psalm 139, let's move forward. Uh, I'm gonna keep this short and sweet. We're actually gonna go play some basketball this morning, so we gotta leave in like 15 minutes. I gotta get these kids up. But uh, <laughs> that was old school Andrew, but boy, oh man, nobody taught me anything about money or finances. They were trying to teach me about US history. Not that it's not important. They were trying to teach me about all these crazy things in school when I really needed to know about money and finances and how not to blow it. And um, I had to learn, I did go to school for that and it was called the School of Hard Knocks. I had to go through bankruptcy twice in my life, in my youth, like twice, because I was getting credit cards out. When I was 18, I had a credit card to Maurice's, Meyer and Frank's. I had a credit card everywhere I could get one for clothes. And I was so important with outer adorning and how I looked and the way that I dressed. I was maxing out these credit cards at all these stores. I didn't know. I had a job and I was making my little $10 payment a month and I lost my job. And then all of those maxed out credit cards stopped getting paid. And then the next thing you know, I was over my head in debt. I didn't have a, a mom or a dad or anybody to teach me about that. It was, it was pretty challenging. It sucked. But here we are. Here we are. 37 years old, finally understand how to uh, do it. Took a long time. All right, Psalm 139. Uh, it says, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Oof. This, this Psalm 139, I want you guys to read this. And I want you to think of the intimacy that you have with God. God knows you. He knows everything about you. There's no thought that's hidden. There's no, there's no nothing. He knows. There's nothing that you can hide from God, right? We can hide things from one another. I can look you in your eyes and say, hey, you know, did you do this? And you'd be like, no, no, I, did, I didn't. Knowing fully well you did. You can't do that with God. You can't lie with God, lie to God. You can't avoid God. It says, it says, uh, you are acquainted with all my ways, for as there is not a word in my tongue, thou knowest it all together. You know everything. He knows the words that are about to come out of your mouth before you even say them. He says, you laid your hand upon me. He says, so that, that kind of knowledge is too wonderful, wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't even attain to it. We, we can't even grasp. We can't even wrap our minds around the goodness, the greatness, the vastness of who God is. Right? We're just when we think that we know who he is, right? our minds are blown because he is so good, because he is so great. He says, uh, where shall I go from my spirit? Or where shall I flee from the, my presence, for your, from your presence? He says, I can go into heaven, you're there. I can go down to hell, and you're there. I can wake up in the morning, or in the, uh, you know, I can go in the uttermost parts, the deepest, darkest parts of the sea, and you're there. He says, even there, your hand will lead me, and your right hand will hold me. He says, surely the darkness will cover me. 
Even the night shall be light about me, right? You can't even hide in the darkness. There's nowhere that you can go. He says, yeah, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as day. Even in the darkness, it's like day. God sees right through it, right through it. Oof. He says, you have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's verse 14. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knoweth right well. And this is just beautiful. This beautiful picture. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret, right? My mother's womb and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of this earth. Thine eyes did see my, uh, my substance yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all thy members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more numbered than the, the grains of the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. In verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. I just, I love the intimacy and the realness and the passion that David had. His, he, he was a man after God's heart. Like, I love, because we, we joked about it earlier on in the Psalms, how David's relationship is so bipolar, man. It's up and down. One minute he's just like, Lord, my back is against the wall. My enemies surround me. My tongue is stuck to the roof of my mouth. My bones are being crushed inside of me. My stomach is in knots. I feel like I'm about to use the bathroom on my, like he goes into it. He's so real and raw and honest. But I love how he he's he, he's down, 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 but then he always turns it around. And he goes, but you know what? I might feel like this. These are my feelings. I, I'm, I'm going to recognize and acknowledge my feelings. But I know that you are good. I know that you are faithful. And then he would even go, I remember how you've already delivered me. I felt like this before, but you delivered me. So we went over and it was like, okay, David is, he's being overwhelmed by feelings and emotions and situations and circumstances. And he, he acknowledges that. But then he says, you know what? No, I remember who you are. And so I'm not going to go based on my feelings. I'm going to go based on my knowing. I know that you are good. I know that you are faithful. I know that you won't, you won't turn your back on me. I know that you've delivered me from situations like this before. So rather than my feelings and emotions dictating my actions, I'm going to go based on a knowing because I know you are good. And I remember who you were before. I know that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so because of that, I will not be ruled by feelings and emotions, but I am going to trust in you and you are good and this relationship that David had was so passionate and was so real and raw and I believe that's the relationship that we need to have with God ourselves right when people message me and they say Andrew I need a prayer for this as if I have some special concoction of words that are going to reach the ear of God and when I hear that, it, it's not that I don't want to give that, but it breaks my heart because what they're trying to do is limit a relationship to, with God, limit a prayer to a sequence of words that needs to be repeated over and over again. Prayer isn't supposed to be repetitive. Prayer is open, honest communication between you and God. 
I believe that we should stand in the gap. I believe that we should intercede. I believe that we should lay hands on one another. I believe that we need to be lifting one another in prayer. But we cannot rely on one another for prayer. God wants a relationship with you. God doesn't want your relationship to go through me. God doesn't want your relationship to go through another pastor. God wants relationship with you. Right? We can't get into this place where we're creating uh, a hierarchy of individuals who have a closer or more access to God. I don't have exclusive access. I don't have a VIP membership with God. I don't know him better than you guys have the ability to know him. I know him and have a relationship because I draw near to him daily, because I seek after him daily, because I knock on the door daily, because I want relationship. He has become a priority in my life. You can have the exact same thing. It's free to everybody. So so please don't try to push uh, your relationship to God through me, because all I'm going to say is, uh-uh. I don't have a sequence of words for you to pray over a certain situation. We're not trying to unlock a code. There's no cheat codes to your relationship with God. A relationship with God is open, honest, transparent communication, just like David exhibited through the, throughout the book of Psalms and throughout uh, many of the stories with him. He, God was with him through his ups, his downs, even his less than honorable moments, right? We have to understand that David, even in those moments, was real, raw, open, transparent. That's what God desires, intimacy. Imagine if every time I spoke to my wife, an intimate relationship, right? Somebody who I love, if it was me getting words from somebody else, right? Hey, I need you to talk, I need you to, talk to my wife for me. Will you talk to my wife for me, right? How would our relationship be? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be strong because now all I'm doing is reciting what somebody else is telling me to say. And my wife's like, no, I just want to hear your heart. Andrew, how do you feel? Hey, I need you to come tell me what to tell my wife. No, Andrew, I just want to hear your heart. I just want to know what you think. What do you think? Where are you at? Communicate with me. Build this relationship. Talk to me. That's all I want you to do. But if I keep trying to go through another person, it's going to create a, you know, distance in that relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. God wants that relationship with you. Oh, 2 Corinthians, good. Shortest little chapter. We're here 45 minutes later still talking about it. Um, good stuff good stuff but I want to pray I've got to pray because we got to get out of here so first off I just want to say thank you guys I love you I honor you I appreciate you guys showing up I am well rested this weekend last weekend I, I, I flirted with the idea of moving the time of coffee and prayer on the weekends and you guys were so supportive and loving but I don't believe that that's going to be necessary that was me talking out of um of, of being tired like in the moment I was just like this is the answer but we powered it through God's given me some rest he's recharged my battery I'm in a place where I get a ton of rest and relaxation with these kids so um yeah we'll, we'll stick with what we're doing second thing is I just want to thank you guys for those of you who have subscribed to the the, the podcast who have liked it who have um, done a review if you guys haven't done that yet there's 432 of you on here right uh, there's people who don't have Instagram and aren't, or Facebook or aren't able to watch these lives that just want, listen to podcasts. It would be awesome if you guys would go review it, maybe share it, uh, like it, favorite it, do something like that on the podcast. It's available on all platforms. Um, and that's you guys partnering with me in preaching the gospel. I think a lot more people would love coffee and prayer uh, if they had access to it, but not everybody's on social media. And so there's a lot of people out there who need exactly what we're talking about, um, and, and that would be the outlet. So if you guys could take time this weekend to review, like, favorite, whatever that looks like, that would be cool. But um, I want to pray. And uh, the podcast is everywhere. It's on Anchor. It's on Apple Music. It's on Spotify. It's called Coffee and Prayer. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
It's good stuff. Uh, it's called Coffee and Prayer. I got to go read some of the reviews. I haven't had a chance to. We've been moving. So, uh, like, not moving, but, like, I've been on the road. So I haven't had a chance to really sit down and, and do much of that stuff. But I want to pray. Um, I want to thank you guys for the badges. Uh, still don't know or see. Some of you guys are still struggling with them. And um, but so I'm just grateful and thankful for those of you who are able to follow through and, and get those in, get those done. Um, it is an absolute blessing to our ministry. And then the last thing, man, I had so many things I wanted to say today. Oh, there's a new feature here on Instagram, um, adding me to your favorites. If you go to the profile, there's like a little plus. If you go to my profile, there's a little guy with a plus. If you click it, then you won't miss my posts. So some people, the way that the algorithm's been changed, um, if you're not favoriting or liking the, the person, you're not going to see, you're not going to add, they're, they're not going to see a lot of their stuff. So if you guys are like, I haven't seen you posting, I post once or twice a day. Um, and if you want notifications on what we're doing, make sure you add me to your little circle. That way you guys aren't uh, missing out on the things that I'm posting and putting up up there for motivation and encouragement all right glory to god yeah let's pray all right so heavenly father we just want to thank you for today we just want to thank you for your love we want to thank you for this community that you are building god it's about you it's about jesus it's all about you it's about the friendships that are being forged, the relationships that are being molded together. It's about the family environment and atmosphere. God, these are brothers and sisters from around the world, and we are so thankful that you would think of us, that when you molded us and shaped us and formed us in our mother's womb, you knew that we would be here today. You knew this moment. You knew there would be over 400 of us, and that we love each other, and that we're here to encourage each other. And that we're here as one body operating as the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears. That we are partnering together to make you more known. You know, we're, we're, we're just taken back by how good you are. Like how, how intricate you are. How detailed you are. That none of this is by coincidence. That every one of us are here at this exact moment. We are here presently. Right? Not in the future. Not in the past. Right now that you've drawn all of us here to this place. And so collectively, right now, we want to give you praise. Now we want to give you praise and glory and honor. We pray that you would receive it. We pray that the world would, uh, the world would receive your light, that as we go out from this place, that we would be like a sweet-smelling aroma to individuals who are being saved, and that our light would irritate the demons in, in the individuals who are living in darkness. But we pray for them too. We pray that they would be moved to a place of repentance, that they would turn from their sin and they too would put their faith in you. And God, we know you hear our prayer because we're gathered here as the body, as your bride, as such a beautiful thing. We are so thankful, so grateful. God, I want to lift up my brother and sister's prayer requests. Um, whatever it is that's got their back against the wall, the one thing that we ask is that your will would be done. God, because that's what we want. We want your will and nothing else. God, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And we pray this all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I love you guys, and uh, I honor you. And I pray that you guys have an amazing rest of your Saturday. I know that we will, uh, because the generosity of one brother who, who really reached out, and um, I mean, the generous generosity of all of you guys, but uh, again, praise report, so thankful, so grateful. I love you guys, and um, I will see you back here tomorrow morning. God bless you, and uh, stay out of trouble.